Hey everyone, welcome to Northridge Church Online. So glad you joined us. So those of you that know me know that I love food. I absolutely love food. And one of my favorite types of food is pasta. I love spaghetti and meatballs, chicken alfredo, mac and cheese. I'm, I know I'm making a lot of you hungry. If you haven't eaten yet, you're going to be like, okay, I got to stop and, and get some pasta right now. But basically, I'm a kid when it comes to the food that I like. I love that stuff. Probably not good for me, but man, it tastes good to me. So one of the reasons, I, I love pasta for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons I love pasta is because it's usually served with bread. Bread is usually served with it. And, and I don't know about you, but most people I know love bread. They love a good French you know, loaf bread with butter and garlic or, or something like that with their pasta or whatever the case is. Most people just love bread. And I'm one of those. I love bread as well. So the reason I bring that up is because today's story that we're going to talk about out of the Bible, out of God's Word, is in a lot of ways around, centered around, and is all about bread. So today is about bread. When Jesus taught important principles and biblical, you know, truth and things like that, a lot of times what Jesus did is he used imagery and illustration. He used physical things that we all know as human beings, like food or bread or, or certain objects or things that grow outside. He would use imagery and illustration, physical things, to try to describe very complex, difficult to understand, spiritual concepts. Well, today's story is the same kind of a thing. Jesus is trying to explain who he is, very intense, deep spiritual concepts, by describing something physical in a visual kind of a way. And so we're going to get into that story and you'll kind of understand what I'm talking about. So let me set up the context for this story so we understand where it's all coming from. In fact, the context is really, really important based on what Jesus and the conversation is between him and the crowd of people that he was having this, this dialogue with. So the context is this. This story that we're about to look at happens just after, the very next day, after Jesus has been teaching all day this huge crowd of people, thousands of people, and it ends, the end of the day, is where he feeds these thousands of people with a little boy's lunch. Five loaves of bread and two fish. Five loaves and two, two fish. He takes that little bit of food and multiplies it by blessing it to feed thousands and thousands of people. All right? So the story that we're going to look at, this story happens just the day after that amazing miracle feeding of the thousands of people. So the next thing that happens is after Jesus feeds these thousands of people, he sends the 12 disciples back across the lake to the city of Capernaum, which is on the other side of the lake. Jesus goes into the hills to be by himself, and the large crowd of people is kind of left on the other side of the lake. So fast forward to the next day, the next morning. The disciples are in Capernaum. Jesus is now in Capernaum. He joined them by miraculously walking on the water. And Jesus is teaching in a synagogue. It's basically a Jewish building in Jesus' day in the city of Capernaum. And so now the crowd of people that just witnessed this miracle the day before, they're looking for Jesus. And they discover that he's on the other side of the lake. And so they get into a whole bunch of boats 
They cross the lake and they find Jesus on the other side of the lake at this synagogue in the city of Capernaum. So where we're going to pick up the story is where they find Jesus and they ask Jesus the question, when did you get here? They're really just kind of starting the conversation because they really want to see what Jesus is going to do next because they saw this great miracle the day before. So let's pick up the story there. We're going to be in John chapter 6. I'm going to start with verse 25. So they found him, that's the crowd, they found him, that's Jesus, on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. So right out of the gate, did you notice that Jesus calls out the crowd of people for their true intentions? Did you notice that? What Jesus is doing is Jesus is saying to the crowd of people, he says, why are, you guys, why are you guys following me? Why did you chase me all the way across the lake and come here to hear my teaching at the synagogue today? Jesus is saying, I know why. It's because you liked the miracle that I did yesterday. In other words, you're here for the free food again. You enjoyed the fact that I multiplied the bread and fish and you thought it tasted good and you want to see if I can do that again. In other words, you're here for the free food. Bring it on, Jesus. This is going to be awesome. And Jesus calls them out for what he knows they're there for, what their true intentions are. They're not there for him. They're there for what he can do for them. So think about it this way. Let me put it in some modern context. Let's say you and your family and maybe a few friends decide that you're going to go to lunch with Jesus. Okay? So you get to the restaurant. Let's say it's McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or someplace like that. And you get to the place with your family and your friends. Let's say there's maybe 15 of you, all right? 15 of you, pretty large group for lunch. Let's say, let's say there's 15 of you, and you get up to the counter, and you're getting ready to order, and Jesus leans over to you, leans in and whispers into your ear and says, I want you just to order one value meal. Let, let's do number three. I like the chicken sandwich, or I like the, you know, whatever the case is. And he says, just order one meal. And you kind of look at Jesus, and you think, well, Jesus, there are 15 of us here. Like, there's a lot of people here. I can eat one meal all by myself. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense that we would order only order one value meal for all these people. But you figure, okay, it's Jesus, so he must know what he's doing. And so you order the one meal, and everybody goes to sit down. And you're kind of starting to get a little bit worried about, like, when they bring one value meal, and everybody's sitting there going, like, why did you order just one meal? We're going to need a lot more food than that. Well, the food comes out, and Jesus blesses it. And what happens? It multiplies. Wow! One value meal becomes 15 or even 30 or a whole bunch. Not only do you have enough food to eat for everybody, but there's actually enough to take home to rewarm up. Now, I know what you're saying. Fast food warmed up? Nasty. You're right. Absolutely. But So the illustration breaks down there. I get it. But let's just say that Jesus blesses the food and all of a sudden one value meal becomes enough to feed all 15 people. 
plus food to spare. Now, the question I have for you is this. If Jesus did that for your family and you and your friends, what are you guys going to want to do for the next several lunches that week for the rest of your life? You're going to be like, let's take Jesus to lunch all the time. Free food for life. This is amazing. We can just pay for one meal and we can feed a whole bunch of people. This is awesome. Let's go to lunch with Jesus every day. In other words, you want to be with Jesus because of what he can give you, what he can do for you. Well, this is exactly what Jesus was calling the crowd of people out for. He says, you're not here for me. You're not here to learn about me, to learn from me. You're not here because you care about me. You are here because of what I can do for you. And Jesus is kind of calling them out. Jesus is saying, you want the blessing, but you don't want the one that gives the blessing. So Jesus kind of calls the crowd out. Now, at this point in the story, I'm going to get to the next part here in just a second. At this point in the story, the people are like, well, man, Jesus has all this power, so he's kind of calling us out here. Maybe we should ask God, ask Jesus, if he can give us the power that he has. Maybe he can transfer this power to us. Maybe we can bless the food and it'll multiply. So listen to what they say in the very next verse, verse 28. They replied, the crowd replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Believe in the one he has sent. So what Jesus is saying in that moment is he's saying, don't worry so much about what all the things that you think I want you to do. All the things that you could do. Jesus is saying to them, all I want you to worry about is one thing to do. And that one thing to do is to believe in the one that God has sent. Believe in the one. Have faith. Have trust. Believe in me, Jesus said. So Jesus says, believe me. I want you to believe in me. I want you to believe in the one who the Father, who God has sent. So that's what Jesus just got done saying. Now, this is almost comical what the crowd says after this. If it wasn't so kind of pathetic and sad. But Jesus says, believe in me. All you need to do is believe. And so this is what the crowd answers. Verse 30, they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? In other words, they're saying, Jesus, perform. Let's see what you can do. You know, all this kind of, and then, and then listen to what they followed up with. They say, after all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say, now they're going to quote the Old Testament to Jesus. Isn't that funny? They're going to quote the Old Testament to Jesus. The scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. By the way, just quick side note. If you want to get into a quoting scripture battle with somebody, Jesus is not the one you want to do that with. Jesus is going to win every time. Jesus knows scripture perfectly. And so they quote scripture. Basically, what are they doing? They're saying, oh, Jesus, we would love to believe in you. And so why don't you do a miraculous sign? Oh, you know what? Jesus, by the way, do you remember there was this awesome guy named Moses in the Old Testament? Do you remember what he did? He actually made manna 
He had food rain down from heaven for the entire nation of Israel. Do you remember that in the wilderness? Moses was pretty awesome. Jesus, what can you do? Let, let, let's see what you can pull off. That's, that's basically what they're doing. They're comparing Jesus to Moses. They're saying, Jesus, bring on the blessings. Bring on the free food. Then we'll believe in you. I'll sign up. Absolutely. Oh, man. They just don't know who they're messing with. And so at this point, I want you to hear Jesus' response to this kind of crazy, almost comical kind of a situation. Jesus said this. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. God did that. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The people still don't get it, and so listen to what they say. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. In other words, the people still don't understand that when Jesus said the bread from heaven, he's talking about himself. And what else Jesus said there, if you noticed, he's saying, you guys have the wrong idea. You guys are elevating Moses to the status that he shouldn't be. Moses didn't have the power to bring heaven or to bring manna from heaven, to bring food down from heaven. That was God's power working in him and through him. Moses didn't have the power. Moses only was able to do it because God gave him the power to do it. Jesus is saying, I don't need to be compared to Moses. You have God's bread, God's power right in front of you right now, Jesus says. All you need to do is believe in that. But the people don't get it. And so they're like, yeah, Jesus, that bread yesterday that you did that with the five loaves and two fish, man, that was awesome. Let's do that again. Give us that bread every day. That would be amazing. So now Jesus has to get a little bit more blunt a little more clear with that crowd of people because they're, they're clearly not understanding. So he says this, this is verse 35. Jesus replied to them, I am the bread of life. So now he states it directly. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. Did you catch that? Jesus says, you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. You don't even believe in me right now. Even though I showed you all those miracles, even though you see me right now, you hear me talking to you. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is calling out the people's unbelief. Their unwillingness to accept Jesus is God. What Jesus has just said is something that was it must have shocked the room. Think about it. This is somebody in a synagogue, in church for that day, teaching a whole massive crowd of people. And all of a sudden, Jesus claims, and he says, I'm actually God. I'm the bread of life. So you know where the you know, bread multiplies and the manna from heaven, all that stuff? That power, that power comes from God. And guess who God is? I'm God. Jesus has just claimed that he is God. Now it's at this point 
that the people start to murmur. Now, you know what that means, right? When, when somebody's talking or sharing their thoughts or their, their principles or their opinions about something, and, and, and people in the room start kind of whispering and, and, and talking, they're murmuring. Well, this is what's going on in the crowd. You know why? Because they start to realize, wait a minute here. Jesus is saying he's bigger, he's greater than Moses. That not only can he give us bread, but that he is the bread of life. That he is actually God in the flesh. God incarnate, fully God, fully human, all at the same time. Now, this is one of those moments where the people, the crowd are like, eh, this is getting hard to really believe this. I mean, we know Jesus came from Nazareth, right? The people are saying, in fact, it says this in the scripture that they start saying this. We know whose parents are. We know whose parents are Joseph and Mary. We know Mary gave birth to Jesus. Now, we know the story. If you go and talk to Mary, Mary will tell you, yeah, but he was born of a virgin. <laughs> I was a virgin when Jesus was born. So Jesus was not born like in a normal way. But these people didn't understand that. They didn't know this. And so the people, they're having a really hard time accepting Jesus for who he says he is. They don't believe that he, they're having a hard time believing that he's God, that he is God in the flesh. And so God wanted them to understand this, and that's why Jesus was there, but they were not getting it. So now at this point, Jesus gets even more blunt, even more to some degree offensive and controversial with what he's saying. Listen to what he says. This is a few verses down a little bit later. Verse 51, Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. So you can see at this point, the people are really starting to turn in their opinions, not for Jesus, but against Jesus. They're saying, man, I'm not sure. I mean, that whole free food thing yesterday was pretty awesome. I mean, he walked on the water across the lake. Clearly, that was a miracle. So he's clearly got some power in some way. But now he's claiming that he's the bread of life that he is God incarnate, that we need to start eating his flesh? Like, it, this sounds a lot like cannibalism. I mean, it sounds weird to us even now as we read it, doesn't it? You probably, when I read that, you kind of think, ooh, he said he, we have to eat his flesh? Like, what's that all about? Well, what the people didn't understand is that Jesus was not talking in physical body terms. He wasn't talking about they have to literally eat his body drink his blood. And by the way, I didn't read that part, but he also talks about drinking his blood. If you don't understand, if it's one thing where you're the, the group of people there and we're not catching this, it sounds like Jesus is saying we need to be cannibalistic. That's not at all what he's saying. What he's trying to communicate is, I am the power behind the miracles. I am the power. I am God. I am the bread of life. I am what you need. You don't need what I have to give you, you need who I am, is what Jesus is saying. 
I am the bread of life and you need me. You need to believe in me. You need to consume me. Jesus is, this is kind of a precursor to to communion, to taking the bread that signifies his body and, and drinking the wine or the juice that signifies his blood. Jesus is saying, my body is going to be given for you. It's going to be beaten. It's going to be broken. It's going to, I'm going to die on a cross for you. My flesh is going to be given for you. My blood is going to be spilled. It's going to be poured out for you. Jesus is trying to help them understand, I am here for you. My sacrifice that I'm about to give is for you. And Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. If you want to be fully satisfied, if you want to be fully at peace in your emotions, internally, in your heart, in your soul, in your relationships, in in spiritual terms, if you want to have peace in all of those things, Jesus says, I can give it. I can give it to you. But you first need to accept me for who I am, God, Savior, the bread of life. The only thing that can sustain, the only thing that can satisfy everything, every deepest longing in your heart, in your desires, in your soul. But where the crowd of people is at in this moment, they're kind of questioning whether or not Jesus is actually worth it. Did you notice that? When the teaching got kind of hard, when it was kind of hard to understand, when all of a sudden he started sounding a little crazy, people started to kind of walk away and say, man, the free food sounds good. The miracle sounds good. What he's saying, just, you know, some of that's kind of cool, but some of it, man, this this commitment thing, this whole following Jesus thing, we're going to look weird. We're going to look crazy. I don't know if we want to do that. I'm not sure if it's worth following Jesus. I'm not sure if the cost is good for us. In fact, we know that the people were thinking this because of what we read a few verses later. This is at the very end. This is So Jesus is kind of wrapping up his teaching at this point. They've had this kind of conversation, this dialogue. And this is what Scripture tells us happened at the end of this. Verse 66, still, still in John chapter 6. At this point, many of Jesus' disciples, his disciples, turned away and deserted him. A lot of people decided the cost was too much. They they didn't want to follow Jesus. They didn't want to pay the price. They didn't want to sacrifice their life to accept the sacrifice of Jesus for theirs. And then, then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, the 12 disciples, and asked, are you also going to leave? So all these people left, and then he asked them the question. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe, and we know you are the Holy One of God. So what's awesome about Peter is in this moment, he declares, he says out loud, Yes, we believe in you, Jesus. We know you're the bread of life. We're here. We're ready to follow you. Even if that means that everybody else is walking away, even if if everybody else thinks you're crazy, we're still in. We're all in. We're good. 
And the same question that Jesus asked the 12 disciples in that moment, he asks you and I, doesn't he? What he's essentially saying is, are you willing to follow me? Are you willing to be with me, to believe in me, even when my teaching is a little bit tough? Something that maybe it's hard to understand or maybe even something that you don't want to hear. Jesus says, are you still willing to follow me? Maybe Jesus is saying, when when we get into Scripture, into God's Word, let me tell you, when you start digging into the Bible, into into God's Word, you're going to find in here that there is some powerful, amazing stuff. But you're also going to find that it's difficult. It's hard sometimes to accept. And let me tell you, we know this. I think a lot of us know this to be true. There are a lot of principles in God's Word that are very controversial according to our popular culture. And what Jesus is saying is, even then, even when you kind of read and and understand something that God's Word says about a particular issue, and and you're not sure, man, it kind of strikes you, and, and it's hard, and it doesn't go along with the mainstream culture, along with popular culture. Jesus says, are you still willing to follow me? Are you still all in? even when it's hard, even when your family and your friends are, they think maybe you're kind of weird for being that passionate and that and putting such a high priority on following Christ and, and, and maybe, you know, being highly involved in, in a church community or whatever the case is, reading your Bible early in the morning, getting up or going to bed early so that you can get up to read God's word in the morning. When people start learning about that and hearing about that and it affects how you can interact with them, when they start thinking, man, you're a little bit crazy. Like, why do you have to be so over the top, so radical, so, so passionate about God? Like, can't, can't you give it a rest a little bit? Jesus says, are you willing to follow me? In truth, what Jesus did that day is he was telling the truth. He is God. He's the bread of life. And in order to have the blessings that he offers, we have to first accept him, the giver of the blessings. And Jesus was trying to communicate that. In essence, what Jesus did is with the truth, Jesus weeded out the fakers from the genuine people. The the ones that were kind of putting on a face and they're like, yeah, really what they all, all they wanted was free food. They just wanted the blessings that Jesus gave. They didn't actually want Jesus. It's like some people who, they're involved in church in order to make networks and and increase their business. They're not really there to worship. They're not really there for God. They're there so that they can have a social time or so they can build networks for their business and grow their, their career. I know I'm digging in a little bit now. But Jesus calls out their intentions. He separates the fakers from the authentic followers of Christ. And that's why he puts it to the 12 disciples. He says, now are you guys going to leave? So Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. If you want to be sustained in every way possible, not just physically, but in every other way in your life, Jesus says, I'm the answer. I'm the bread of life. So my question to you today is simple. Are you being sustained 
by the love and the power, the bread of life in this universe, which is Jesus. Are you being sustained? Have you chosen to be all in? Or are you just partially in when it's easy, when it's comfortable, when it's convenient? Jesus wants us to answer by saying, Jesus, yes, we're here. We believe. You're the Holy One. You're the bread of life. You're our Lord. You're our Savior. Are you being sustained by Jesus? My hope, my prayer, is that you would experience the peace that comes from knowing Jesus, from following Jesus, from believing in Jesus on a daily basis. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for loving us so much that you came to die for us and rose from the grave for us. I thank you for sometimes giving us hard truth and at other times showing us how your burden, your mission, your purpose for us is easy and light, as you also declare in your word. So Lord, for every person that's watching, that's listening today, I pray that you would help them to realize that you are the bread of life for their life. That you can sustain and give them peace in every area of their life if they choose it. Help them to accept you, believe in you, so that they can receive not only what you have to give, but they can believe and accept who you are. Help us to follow you. Help us to serve you. Help us to be sustained by you. We pray this, we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, a couple of reminders. Next week, Sunday, May 2nd, we start weekly services in person every single week. I don't know, a lot of you have been asking, like, when can we do that? I know you've been waiting for that. So we're going to be in person every single week starting next week. Yes, we will still be online, but we'll be in person every single week as well. Uh, So remember that. Another thing, next week we are starting a brand new message series. And what we're going to do is we're going to start taking stock, taking kind of inventory on our life gauges, where certain aspects of our life are at. I don't know about you, but climbing out of a pandemic, a lot of things have changed. And so a lot of our gauges, emotions, relationships, a lot of areas have been kind of thrown out of whack. I know mine have been. And so we're going to talk about several specific areas of life where the gauge is at and how to move that gauge, how to refill the tank in some of those areas. So I hope you'll join us. We've got several weeks of that starting next week. And always remember, I love you and God loves you.